Om Agyalti Manannasya Gyanannana Salakya Shakshur Minitam Yana Tasmai Shri Gurve So today <clears throat> I wanted to uh, discuss the topic of saintly persons. It's a topic that I like very much. Um, saintly persons are are those personalities who have realized the real meaning of spiritual teachings. And, uh, and of course, I really look at saintly persons in the, uh, in the context of, of bhakti. So I'll begin with a verse from the uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, a very famous verse from... Uh, the third canto, chapter 25, text 21. Titiksabaha karunaka surida sarvadeinam ajata shatravashanta sadava sadhubhusana. The symptoms of a sadhu are that he's tolerant, merciful, and friendly to all living entities. He has no enemies. He is peaceful. He abides by the scriptures. And all his characteristics are sublime. Mm. So there we begin. Um, um, and these are all not such easy things to, uh, to live by. Mm. One has to, and of course, um, we may embrace such, such qualities as our goal. Um, a goal to be tolerant a goal to be merciful, a goal to be friendly to all living entities, a goal to have no enemies, a goal to be peaceful, a goal to abide by the scriptures. Um, in this way, we may set this, this verse as our goal. Or we may actually uh, look at personalities who are who have realized these qualities. And that, of course, is, is most interesting. So, yes, it is my desire to develop such qualities. And therefore, let us look at the, uh, at the saintly personalities uh, as we find them described in, uh, in Srila Prabhupada's writings. So, one of the uh, saintly persons who are referred to in, uh, in the purports to the Bhagavad Gita is uh, a practical example is given by Sri Yamuna Acharya, a great saint and devotee who says, Yadavadi Mamma Cheta Krishna Padara Binda Navanasa Rasa Damani Utjatamrantum Asit Tadavadi Batanari Sangame Smariamani Bhavati Mukavikar Susta Nistivanam Cha. 
since my mind has been engaged in the service of the lotus feet of Lord Krishna and have been enjoying an ever new transcendental humor. Whenever I think of sex life with a woman, my face at once turns from him, from it, and I spit at the thought. Um, that's a very strong statement. But it is also, actually, it is not a, a harsh statement. Um, it is rather a statement of having a deep transcendental vision and really being not interested in enjoying <clears throat> the material body. Uh, somehow or other, all of us uh, are now in an embodied state and the senses are pushing for enjoyment. And of course, sexual activity is something very potent and strong and not so easy to just leave behind. And and to completely leave behind. Uh, Yamuna Acharya has actually become so much absorbed in his Krishna consciousness that he has developed an aversion to uh, the thought of sexual activity. Um, he, has, he is not even attracted in his mind. So that, that is certainly not so easy to conquer the material energy. Um, he is known as Alabandar, uh, one who has conquered. And to conquer the material energy is really the most difficult thing. Savai mana Krishna padare vindayor. That is really the the interest of a devotee. Maharaj Ambaris always engaged his mind in meditating upon the lotus feet of Krishna. His words in describing the glories of the Lord, his hands in cleansing the temple of the Lord, his ears in hearing the words spoken by Krishna or about Krishna. He engaged his eyes in seeing the deity of Krishna, Krishna's temples and Krishna's places like Mathura and Vrindavan. He engaged his sense of touch in touching the body, the bodies of the Lord's devotees. He engaged his sense of smell in smelling the fragrance of Tulasi offered to the Lord. And he engaged his tongue in tasting the Lord's prasad. He engaged his legs in walking to the holy places and temples of the Lord, his head in bowing down before the Lord, and all his desires in serving the Lord 24 hours a day. Indeed, Maharaj Ambaris never desired anything for his own sense gratification. He engaged all his senses in devotional service, in various engagements uh, related to the Lord. This is the way to increase attachment for the Lord and be completely free from all material desires. So this is in the ninth canto uh, from chapter 4, verses 18 to 20, combined in one translation. So again, that shows the absorption of a saintly person. Um, I'm coming back. Oh, I forgot to fill my water bottle. So, uh, 
this example of Ambarish Maharaj is really important, uh, really significant to us. Because uh, Ambarish Maharaj is such a devotee, such a, um, he's not wasting any time. Huh? He is uh, engaging his, uh, his mind in meditating upon the lotus feet of Krishna. Um, so the mind is engaged in Krishna. His words are engaged in glorifying the Lord. His hands are engaged in the service of the Lord, cleaning the temple. His ears in hearing the words spoken by Krishna or about Krishna. He engaged his eyes in seeing the deity. Um, and so on. Uh, so all the senses are engaged in the service of Krishna. So yes, this is it. This is the uh, means of, of being absorbed in devotional service. We just take our senses, both the knowledge-gaining senses and the working senses, in the service of the Lord. And then uh, automatically, uh, automatically, uh, we are thoroughly Krishna conscious. Right? That is a sadhu. He is thoroughly Krishna conscious. And that's what we... Uh, see, the Prabhupada says, surrender means to follow all the rules and regulations, even the uh, the small ones. Right? So this is uh, is very, very nice. Uh, um, so Maharaj Ambarish is a, uh, was a king, right? But although he was a king, and kings are generally are married and so on, Grihastas, oh, but that was not at all. Uh, that didn't bar him at all from being a saintly person. Um, so saintly person doesn't depend on ashram. And whether one is in the renounced order like Imuna Acharya was, or whether one is in the household ashram like Ambarish Maharaj, uh, it doesn't matter. Just fix the mind. Savaimana Krishna Padara Yo. Fix the mind on the lotus feet of Krishna and engage all the senses, all the senses in the service of Krishna. And that is very, very nice. So, um, in the association of Sukadev Goswami, uh, the great saint and devotee. So, so we're speaking about Maharaj Pariksit um, and how being fortunate, he got at least seven days to prepare himself to meet death. And so he properly utilized the time in the association of Sukadev Goswami, the great saint and devotee of the Lord. So one must seek out uh, saintly persons. Saintly persons are, are very valuable, and saintly persons are of great interests. Um, they are not just merely uh, representing a doctrine, or but they have rather embraced teachings and realized them in our hearts, in their hearts. Max Weber, the uh, sociologist who has um, started the, uh, is the founder of religious sociology, is speaking about two types of leaders. One, he says, is the prophet, and the other one is the priest. The priest is one who upholds the teachings, 
the priest is deriving his charisma, that's the word he uses, from his role in the institution. Um, he wears a dress, he wears so many things that support his, uh, his spiritual identity. And, uh, and by this external, by this external identity, he gets purified within. Um, the prophet is one who went to work with the teachings within, in his own life, and then comes back with realizations. Um, the, uh, the priest is the maintainer of an institution which enshrines a tradition, and the prophet is the renewer of that tradition. So it says they are on either side of the spectrum, and between them there is some, uh, some tension at times, right? which can be resolved also, of course, for the greater good, right? for the greater good of, of, uh, of serving the Lord. Um, but difference in vision will be there among saintly persons. Um, we cannot say that one is, is saintly, the other is not saintly. Uh, still, uh, we are particularly looking at uh, realizing, uh, realizing qualities in the heart. Uh, merely an external institutional, uh, institutional form of spirituality is inadequate. Uh, Tolstoy, in his writings, also addresses this uh, because he has something about uh, a story about uh, three, uh, three personalities, right? three hermits. And these hermits, they lived, oh, they lived on an island. Mm. So it's just a, a short story. Um, mm. So it is about one time a bishop was on board of a ship and in the course of, uh, of sailing, um, he heard some discussion on the deck, as he was passing on the deck, and, and he stopped, it interested him, because the men on deck of the ship were talking about three saintly persons living on an island somewhere nearby. So it was uh, very interesting. Uh, so the, uh, the bishop, after hearing about it, finally had a desire to, uh, to see them. And this is where I'll read a little bit. Um, let me see who. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is Tolstoy who wrote about this. So they pointed out to, that the island was just on the horizon. 
The bishop looked carefully, but his unaccustomed eyes could make out nothing but the water shimmering in the sun. I cannot see it, he said. But who are the hermits that live there? They're holy men, answered the fisherman. I'd long heard tell of them, but never chanced to see them myself till the year before last. And the fisherman related how once, when he was out fishing, he had been stranded at night upon that island, not knowing where he was. In the morning, as he wandered about the island, he came across an earth hut and met an old man standing near it. Presently, two others came out, and after having fed him and dried his things, they helped him mend his boat. And what are they like? asked the bishop. One is a small man, and his back is bent. He wears a priest cassock, and he is very old. He must be more than a hundred, I should say. He is so old that the white of his beard has taken a greenish tinge, but he is always smiling, and his face is as bright as an angel's from heaven. The second is taller, but also is very old. He wears tattered, a peasant coat. His beard is broad and of a yellowish-gray color. He is a strong man. Before I had time to help him, he turned my boat over as if it were only a pail. He too is kindly and cheerful. The third is tall and has a beard as white as snow and reaching to his knees. He's stern with overhanging eyebrows and he wears nothing but a mat tied around his waist. And did they speak to you? asked the bishop. For the most part, they did everything in silence and spoke but little even to one another. One of them would just give a glance and the others would understand him. I asked the taller whether they had lived there long. He frowned and muttered something as if he were angry, but the oldest one took his hand and smiled. And then the tall one was quiet. The oldest one only said, Have mercy upon us, and smiled. When the fisherman was talking, the ship had drawn nearer to the island. There, now you can see it plainly. If your grace were pleased to look, said the tradesman, pointing his hand. So, anyway... The bishop wanted to see the hermits. And then, uh, so he went uh, with a small boat, uh, and they were rowing. Uh, so, the oarsmen pulled into the shore and held on with the boat hook while the bishop got out. The old man bowed to him, and he gave them his benediction, at which they still bowed, bowed still lower. Then the bishop began to speak to them. I have heard, he said, that you godly men live here saving your own souls and praying to our Lord Jesus Christ for your fellow man. I'm an unworthy servant of Christ, am called by God's mercy to keep and teach his flock. I wish to see you, servants of God, and to do what I can to teach you also. The old men looked at each other, smiling, but remained silent. Telling me, said the bishop, what are you doing to save your souls and how you serve God on this island? The second hermit sighed and looked at the oldest, the very ancient one. The latter smiled and said, we do not know how to serve God. We only serve and support ourselves, servant of God. But how do you pray to God? asked the bishop. We pray in this way, replied the hermit. There are yea, three are we, 
have mercy upon us. Oh, three are you, three are we, have mercy upon us. Sorry, I didn't read it properly. And when the old man said this, all three raised their eyes to heaven and repeated, three are you, three are we, have mercy upon us. The bishop smiled. You have evidently heard something about the Holy Trinity, said he, but you do not pray aright. You have won my affection, godly man. I see you wish to please the Lord, but you do not know how to serve him. That's not the way to pray, but listen to me, and I will teach you. I will teach you not a way of my own, but the way in which God in the Holy Scripture has commanded all men to pray to him. And the bishop began explaining to the hermits how God had revealed himself to man, telling them of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Ghost. God the Son came down to earth, said he, to save man. And this is how he taught all of us to pray. Listen and repeat after me. Our Father, um, which art in heaven, continued the bishop. The first hermit repeated, which art in heaven. But the second, the second blundered over the words, and the tall could not say them properly. His hair had grown over his mouth, so that he could not speak plainly. The very old hermit, having no teeth, also mumbled indistinctly. The bishop repeated the words again, and the old man repeated them after him. The bishop sat down on a stone, and the old man stood before him, watching his mouth and repeating the words as he uttered them. And all day long the bishop labored, saying the word, saying the word twenty, thirty, a hundred times over, and the old man repeated it after him. They blundered, and he corrected them, and made them begin again. So, yes. Mm. Anyway, then the, the bishop, he... Uh, he, he left, mm. and uh, as he left, mm. and they were, uh, they were sailing mm. away back on the ship. So then they saw that something <coughs> far away was coming nearer and nearer. Huh? It cannot be a boat, for I can see no sail. But whatever may, may be, it is following us and catching us up. He could not make out what it was. Not a boat, nor a bird, nor a fish. It was too large for a man. And besides, a man could not be out there in the midst of the sea. And they looked. Uh, and then finally, the steersman saw. Oh, Lord, the hermits are running after us on the water as, of, as, if it, as though it were dry land. The passengers hear me and jumped up and crowded to the stern. They saw the hermits coming along hand in hand and the two outer ones beckoning the ship to stop. All three were gliding along upon the water without moving their feet. Before the ship could be stopped, the hermits had reached it and raised their heads. All three, as with one voice, began to say, We've forgotten your teacher, servant of God. As long as we kept repeating it, we remembered but when we stopped saying it for a time, a word dropped out and now it's all gone to pieces. We cannot remember nothing of it. Teach us again. The bishop crossed himself and leaning over the ship's side. Your own prayer will reach the Lord, man of God. It's not for me to teach you. Pray for us sinners. And the bishop bowed low before the old man and they turned 
and then back across the sea. And a light shone until daybreak on the spot where they were lost to sight. <clears throat> so this little story of, uh, of Tolstoy is exactly on the point, right? On the point of the, uh, the saintly persons who are having <clears throat> realizations, who are deep, uh, deep in their um, devotional service, deep in their realization. Yes, so such saintly persons are on our mind and Mahajana Yenikata Sapanta, we desire to find out about such saintly persons and we want to follow in their footsteps. Yes, like the bishop, um, we want to bow down to them. Like the bishop, we want to, to see how they have connected with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. <clears throat> so now we will continue our readings from Srimad Bhagavatam. So, here it is said that Saint Vidura was a great and pure devotee of the Lord, and therefore his questions to the great Rishi Maitreya must have been very purposeful on the highest level and approved by learned circles. Srimad Bhagavatam 3.1.4 from the text itself. Yes, Vidura is described as a saintly person all throughout. Vidura was a saintly person. Of course, we, we know who Vidura was in his last life. Um, we know that he was Yamaraj, who had been cursed by Manduka Muni because somehow or other Manduka Muni had been traveling. And he had stayed for the night in some shelter in the forest. But then in the middle of the night, as he was resting, uh, soldiers came, the king's soldiers came and arrested all the men in that cabin. And it turned out that these men were robbers and the king condemned them and they were to be, uh, they were to be pierced with lances, right? And put to death in such a way. And the saint was, the Muni was with these, uh, these personalities. And then the Muni was Last minute, the mistake was discovered and the Muni was saved. So then the Muni decided, like, how could this happen? Right? What kind of karmic reaction is this? Right? I, have, um, I have performed so many uh, activities for purification. So how come such a reaction is, can still come? So then he decided to go to Yamaraj to find out what that reaction was for. And Yamaraj met him and Yamaraj informed him. And Yamaraj said that as a child, you took a straw and you pierced an end with that straw. And therefore now you had to... And the saint said, well, I was 
I was a child. I was a child. So uh, in ignorance, I did, maybe, but it's not appropriate to mete out such a heavy punishment for an offense committed by a child. Uh, this is not proper judgment. So he cursed Yamaraj, right? Since he had not acted within proper knowledge, he said, then I'll curse you that you'll be a sudra. Right? A sudra is one whose life is not based on knowledge. And then in the next life we see appears Vidura. And Vidura is the younger brother of Dhritarashtra, which puts him in the elder generation of, of, the, of the Pandavas, right? the elders. And Vidura uh, lived at the court with the Kurus and was highly respected. Vidura was a great wise personality because Yamaraj is not just any person. Yamaraj is a, uh, a great and pure devotee and is the, uh, is the representative of the Supreme Lord. So Vidura then all throughout was a saintly person. Uh, but externally, he was a Dasi Putra, an inferior person, uh, the son of some, some maidservant of the king. But, you know, kings used to have some uh, additional girls they could sometimes enjoy with, and that was not considered anything inappropriate. And even the children of such ladies would be residing at the court, although they would not be given any official... Uh, position, it was not at all a scandal if a king had such children. No, that was fine. That was socially acceptable. Because the nature of kings was understood. Powerful men and, you know, with, with passion and so on. Anyhow, uh, Victoria was such a personality. Uh, he was always kind, and Vidura is, of course, a person who is always, uh, he was the protector of the Pandavas. He was the upholder of religious principles. He was the one to say that Duryodhan was not a putra, he was mutra, he was just like unwanted. Huh? The putra and the mutra come from the same place, the sun and the, and the urine. And Duryodhan was at, at no benefit right, for his father. Rather, he was a problem. And uh, his father, uh, Vidura recommended that his father should not take this, this son so seriously. But Dhritarashtra was blind, um, blinded by attachment. An attachment, not just for his son, but it mixed with his desire to have the throne because Dhritarashtra was blind by birth, and he, but he was the eldest son. So he would have gotten the throne, but the throne went to his younger brother, Pandu. But then his younger brother, Pandu, died prematurely. And as a result, Dhritarashtra was actually blind as he was taking care of the throne as a regent. Right? And therefore, Dhritarashtra had attachment to the throne, and therefore he, he wanted his son to be what he could not be. Uh, and therefore he wanted his son to be the king, yes. 
So this, uh, this tendency that one wants his son or children to be what one could not be is not uncommon, but is not a, uh, yeah, is, is, if it is on the mundane level, it is not a good, uh, a good thing. Of course, uh, we see how Srila Prabhupada's father uh, wanted his son to be a devotee. And he gave him, he arranged for him to get Murdanga lessons at an early age. And he also uh, blocked him from uh, going to England and becoming a barrister, a lawyer. So many were thinking he should, should go. Uh, and of course, then one could really, uh, yeah, make a lot of progress in the world, but uh, materially speaking. But Gormahan Day was thinking, no, this is not a good idea, because my son may become corrupted by, uh, by all this, uh, you know, my son may become corrupted by this mundane association and this mundane education. No, he was not in favor. He wanted his son to be a devotee. Mm. So Vidura is here asking questions. Um, and of course, uh, he's asking the questions uh, of... So such questions <clears throat> are very, very important. Um, and here we're reading, Sri Sukadev Goswami said, we're reading in continuing a little bit in the same canto where we started reading about Vidura. Sri Sukadev Goswami said, King Dhritarashtra became blind under the influence of impious desires to nourish his dishonest sons. And thus he set fire to the lacquer house to burn his fatherless nephews, the Pandavas. Mm. So here in Bhagavatam, uh, the blindness of Dhritarashtra is mentioned. In the purport, Prabhupada says, Dhritarashtra was blind from birth, but his blindness in committing impious activities to support his dishonest son was a greater blindness uh, than his physical lack of eyesight. The physical lack of sight does not bar one from spiritual progress, but when one is blind spiritually, even though physically fit, that blindness is dangerously detrimental to the progressive path of human life. So yes, by all means, we want our children to be devotees. By all means, we would want our children to be pure devotees. By all means, we want to give our children the chance that we never had um, to grow up with Krishna from the very beginning of life. Uh, still, you know, that doesn't automatically make them saintly. There may still be impurity, uh, impurity in their heart. It's just not so, so easily, easily done. Um, because these children of devotees, they have to also, they cannot just be led by their parents to Krishna. They have to, to by themselves, on their own, embrace the path of purity and say goodbye, say goodbye to sense gratification, to sinful activities, 
and and just dedicate himself to purity and and be prepared to sacrifice for that um, of course in this day and age uh, in this day and age it is the yuga dharma is taught by the yuga avatar Sri chaitanya mahaprabhu and is harinam sankirtan the congregational chanting and glorification of the uh, of the holy name of the lord so uh, yes the uh, the uh, mercy of the lord uh, is is very uh, very important uh, and the lord wants to distribute that mercy by glorifying Krishna. And so if we are assisting the Lord in glorifying Krishna, then automatically we attract that mercy of the Lord ourselves and we become via media from it and will become transformed. So the uh, process of uh, transformation in this age is to give, um, is to give Krishna Upadesh. Yaradekitarakaha Krishna Upadesh. Amar Agyaya Guru Desh. Somehow or other to give. Because that's the means by which we overcome. Uh, overcome uh, self-centeredness. And Atmendriya Prithivancha Tarabolikam. Self-centeredness means our own senses. And uh, to overcome, uh, to overcome this this selfishness that is something that is the quality of a saintly person saintly persons then uh, Vidura in this case was asking questions to uh, to uh, to Maitreya and it, it doesn't matter uh, whether one is answering the questions or one is asking the questions the essence is that discussions, discussion about Krishna. Machita matkata pranabodhiyantas parasparam katiyantas chamam nicha tushanti Yes, that these saintly persons, they derive great bliss and satisfaction conversing about Krishna with one another. Yes. Yes, it's very interesting. Huh? Like here is a verse which is in, in text number nine, where it said of that chapter, 319, Bhagavatam, Lord Krishna was sent by Arjuna into the assembly as the spiritual master of the whole world. And although his words were heard by some, like Bhisma, as pure nectar, it was not so for the others, who were completely bereft of the last farthing of past pious work, the king, Dhritarashtra, or Duryodhan, did not take the words of Lord Krishna very seriously. Hmm, that is very interesting. Huh? Very interesting. Yes, they could not hear huh, because of their, their blindness. They became blinded. Huh? Blinded by envy, blinded by lust, blinded by greed blinded by material desire. Um, so therefore, yes, we are, we are learning 
samvairagya, vairagya vijjanitya bhakti yogam. Uh, we are giving up certain things. We give up sinful activities, we give up this sense gratification, and then we take up uh, devotional service. So, first, just as it said, that first one must plow the field and remove uh, stones, one must remove big branches until the field is completely clean, and then we can start sowing on the field. Uh, so, in this way, uh, first, we have to give up our, our material activities and just take up devotional service. Uh, therefore, four regulative principles. No meat, fish or eggs, no gambling, no intoxication and no illicit sex. And then, then our chanting of the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra can very quickly produce the, the, the fruits, the ripened fruits of Vedic knowledge. Yes. So, this topic of saints is very nice. Uh, it is very nice. Yes. So, we uh, are... Uh, yeah, we are just somehow or other carrying on Mahajana Yenikatasapanta, following in the footsteps of, of saintly persons. And we will, over the next few days, pursue that saintliness uh, a little bit more. That will be uh, very, very, uh, very nice. So, uh, Bhakti Vision, uh, which is now our series, Bhakti vision is referring to uh, the opposite of that blindness of Krishna, of uh, which Dhritarashtra had. Right? It it is rather to always see everything in connection with Krishna. Viteritam yat pratyeta na pratyeta chatmani mayam yatu tamayatu basa. To see everything in its relationship with Krishna and the value of things will be determined in this way. So that is the way to become a saintly person, to just see everything, whatever it is, um, put Krishna next to it and say, is this favorable for Krishna's service? Then yes. Is this not favorable? Then no. Anakulyena sankalpa pratikulyena varjanam. Accepting things favorable and rejecting things unfavorable. So it is very simple. Um, the path is simple. But then on the path, there is transformation. Then the heart is purified. So in the next few days, we're going to look more at the pure heart uh, of the saintly personalities. So, I thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada Kijaya.